that you get just like a couple dozen kids, you put them in a big circle, maybe more than that. It's better if you get more than that. And you whisper a sentence into the first kid's ear, remember, right? And then they've got to whisper it into the next kid's ear and then to the next kid's ear. And it goes all the way around the circle. And when it comes out, it's unintelligible. You have no idea. It was nowhere near what the first sentence was, right? It just went from one person to the next person to the next person. And they twisted it and they just repeated what they thought they heard to the next person. And by the time it gets all the way around, the circle, it's not at all like where it started, right? That childhood game, wasn't that fun to play as a kid? Do you know we played the same thing as adults? Yeah, we call it the grapevine. (laughs) We heard it through the grapevine. It started somewhere, somebody said something or did something and somebody else went, hey, did you hear about that? Then, hey, did you hear about that? Then, hey, did you hear about that? And by the time it gets all the way around the neighborhood (laughs) or the school, or the church. It's coming out all the way into something entirely different that was never said in the first place. I had somebody call me not not too long ago and said, hey, Rich, it was another pastor. Hey, Rich, I heard it was, he should have known better. I heard this was happening and that was happening and this was you and that was you and just all of this stuff and not a word of it was true. It was just something that had gone through the grapevine, probably started with something, you know, and, but then it kind of just went all the way through. And by the time we got to the end, there might have been a glimpse of truth here, a glimpse of truth there, but on the whole, it was just, it wasn't quite all there. It was just something that wasn't intended in the very first place. That's our, our grapevine. We do that all the time. We even do it, by the way, in a sense, we do it sometimes kind of theologically with truth itself, where, where we, we get a little bit of a teaching here and we pass it on and we pass it on and that teaching starts to get dis- distorted a little bit. Maybe we hear a bit of truth over here and then we try to explain it to somebody else and then as it goes, it kind of gets to be something other than what it was. And the more we do that, the more we kind of share that way, the more these incredible eternal truths of God become confusing and scary to us. Do you ever think about it that way? Sometimes the very things that are supposed to be uh, almost comforting, those things that are supposed to help us, the very things we rely on, we build our life upon, sometimes because of the way they've been communicated, end up causing confusion. Hold on to that as we pray, as we begin our message today. Father, open us in heart, mind, and spirit to all that you have for us in the next few moments. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Open us in heart, open us in mind, open us in spirit to receive your truth, not mine, not anybody else's, free as much as possible from any distortion, from you, yourself, your truth. Open us to that. Just now, Father, hide me behind the cross. Root me in your word so that my words will be yours and not mine. So this time will be yours and not mine. Just now, dear Father, may the words of my mouth, the meditations, thoughts, and reflections of each of our hearts and minds be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. The Holy Spirit is the eternal Spirit of God who proceeds from the Father and the Son. The first word you need to key in on is eternal eternal. The Holy Spirit is eternal. Some reason, somehow along the way in our minds and in our teaching, 
I, I, well, maybe you didn't get this, but at one point I thought the Holy Spirit showed up for the very first time at Pentecost. You remember that time in Acts chapter 2? Tongues as a fire descend and touch each of the disciples. They speak in languages they haven't learned. The church's birthday. We're going to talk all about that in a couple of weeks, right? But I thought, you know, that's where the Holy Spirit shows up. The reality is the Holy Spirit is eternal. The Holy Spirit is 100% God. God is transcendent from human experience and from the very created order itself, transcendent even beyond time itself, which means as the creator of time itself, is not bound by it. He is eternal. The Holy Spirit has always been there. Jesus has always been there. The Father has always been there. It's this perfect trinity. The Holy Spirit has always existed. So I, I was tempted to ask you all if you know where in Scripture is the first place we see the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I was going to say, let's first want to get your hand up, I'll throw you a prize. But I didn't do that because that's, well, it's wrong. That, <laughs> that wouldn't be a good way to interact from up here, all right? But I do want to say, do you, think about it a minute. Where do you think was the very first place the Holy Spirit ever showed up in Scripture? Genesis. Y'all are smart. I've been doing better than I thought around this place. This is good, right? In Genesis 1, the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the deep. And what was he doing? Bringing order out of chaos. Bringing order out of chaos, creating all that is. The Lord, the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the Son, the Lord, the Father were active in creation. The Holy Spirit was even then involved in the actions of God. So the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the eternal Spirit of God who proceeds, who comes to us from the Father and the Son to live, as the next one says, in us. The Holy Spirit is God in you. When you accept Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life, when you submit and surrender to Him, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life. The Father before you, the Son beside you, the Spirit inside you. The Holy Spirit is God in you. That doesn't mean you are God. Let's get that clear, right? That doesn't mean you are God, but it does mean the very Holy Spirit of God resides in you if you are a believer in Jesus. So let's look at some of the teachings that Jesus had around Scripture. Uh, um, John 14, 15 through 26 is a huge uh, example of Jesus teaching what the Holy Spirit is about and who the Holy Spirit is and giving us a promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But it falls in a very particular place in Scripture. It follow, in chapter 14 is an amazing chapter as a whole. I read at the very beginning of the service, I read you a little bit of that, but you need to know a little more. In chapter 13, Jesus has begun telling his disciples that he is about to die. Did you I, Go back and read it this afternoon. Chapter 13, Jesus has been doing miracles. He's been teaching. He's been healing. He's been all kinds of incredible life happening around him. The disciples have been dreaming and wondering what's next. And Jesus all of a sudden starts to tell his disciples, these close personal friends, these followers of his, those who have lived in intimate relationship with him now for about three years, Jesus starts to say to these folks, yeah, I'm about to die. 
I, I don't, it's, it's not going to be long now. In fact, it's going to be very, very soon. I'm going to die. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And, and that's the way it's going to be. And you're not going to have me with you for very much longer. I'm not going to be physically with you anymore. I don't know if you've ever visited with somebody who knew they were going to die. Right? Knew it. And they begin to say things like this. They begin to make a goodbyes with the family and the friends around them. For the disciples of Jesus, they're in a place of, of dissonance and tension. They don't understand what Jesus is talking about because he doesn't look sick. Yes, the Roman authorities and the, the, the temple authorities could arrest him at any moment, but that doesn't seem likely to them at this point. So when Jesus starts to tell them he's going to die, they're filled with anxiety. They're filled with fear. They're filled with confusion. They don't really understand what is happening and what Jesus is talking about. And so they start trying to wrestle it out with him. They start trying to figure it out. And he says to them, essentially, where I go, you're going to be able to go too. You know where it is. And, and they come forward and they say, no, Lord, we don't know where it is. How can we know where you are going? How can we know the way? We don't even understand what you're talking about. And Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He reiterates that to them, that there is but one way to be focused on who God is, one way to know that you're on the right track in life, one way to, to really grasp the truth and the life that God has called you to. He says it clearly, I am. And don't think for a moment that whenever a Hebrew male, a rabbi, a teacher uses the words I am, that everybody in the room didn't immediately think of, of, of Moses and the Ten Commandments and God saying, my name is I am am. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes unto the Father except through me. He is the only way. They are still filled with anxiety. So let me read for you what he teaches to them about a promise he's giving them. He does something really interesting in this, in this passage of Scripture from verse 15 to 26. He kind of states it up front, and then he teaches a little more, and then he states it again at the end. And I've told you before, whenever you see God put it one way in the Scripture, and then a few passages or a few verses, sentences later, he says it again, that's important. Uh, there's technical words for it, but when he bookends it, he's really reiterating what he's saying. Listen to what he's saying here. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you will also live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my new life again. And you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Judas not Judas Iscariot, the other disciple with that name, not the one who betrayed Jesus, you said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, 
all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. It's the word of God. It is true. It can't be trusted. Amen? I will not leave you orphaned, Jesus says. These men that have known him in deep relationship for three years, who have put their entire lives on hold for him, who have surrendered everything to follow him, who've given up everything to follow him, who are now filled with anxiety and confusion. When he says, I'm going to die, you will not see me any longer. I'm only here for a little while. They filled with the anxiety. And Jesus says to them, I will not leave you orphaned. You will always be in me and I in you and in the Father and the Father in me and the Father in you. And he creates this illustration, this beautiful understanding of incredible community in the, in the Trinity of God and in those who follow God. Connected, deeply intimate. And he gives them a promise and he does it two places. Let's look at the first one. Back up in verses 15, or 16 and 17, the first part of this and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Now, if you're using a different translation, it might say something other than advocate. It may say the one who is on your side. It might say just the spirit of the living God, something like that. But I love that word advocate because he's saying, I and will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. What is an advocate? It is somebody who's on your side, somebody who is arguing your case, somebody that desires your best. The advocate is for you. So the Holy Spirit is your advocate. The Holy Spirit is on your team. The Holy Spirit is, is for you, not against you. The Holy Spirit is there so that you know you have not been orphaned. The advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. He leads into all truth. The Holy Spirit is always leading into truth, pointing us to truth, guiding us to truth, helping our lives to be rooted in truth. And remember what Jesus said just a few short paragraphs earlier? I am the way, the truth. The Holy Spirit is pointing to Jesus, the truth, to all truth found in Jesus. He's pointing them into all truth. And the world can't receive him. They're not looking for him yet. They don't understand it yet. They don't recognize it yet. But they will see you is kind of the backstory. But you know him. You know the Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit. You may not really understand it yet, but you know the Holy Spirit because he lives with you now. That's what Jesus is saying to the disciples. Right now, the Holy Spirit lives 
with you, around you, in the midst of your community, in the midst of our, our disciples together, in the midst of this place, the Holy Spirit is with you and later will be in you. Right now he's with you, he's saying to the disciples, but later he will be in you. That's one of the distinctive things. Here's, here's maybe it's called foreshadowing. I'm just going to tell you, it's, it's, like a, it's like a little taste of what's coming in two weeks. This is the unique thing about Pentecost is when that Holy Spirit comes in a different and unique way at Pentecost, when those tongues as a fire rest on everybody and the Holy Spirit then begins to live inside them, to live in them. The Holy Spirit, God, the Spirit takes residence in them. He's with you now, he says to the disciples. Later, he'll be in you. In you. That's an amazing truth to wrestle with. That you and I as followers of Jesus, that when we say yes to him and we accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, the very power and presence of God takes up residence in our lives. It's no longer about me. It's no longer about my strength. It's no longer about my mind. It's no longer just about my limitations. It's the very power of the living God in me. And in you, when you profess faith in Jesus. Look at how he ends this little section. Verse 26, but when the Father sends the advocate, same word again, when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything. Remember what he said, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth, into all truth. I will teach you, the Holy Spirit will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. That Holy Spirit is pointing to Jesus, always pointing to Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit is the power, is the comforter, is the advocate, is the living presence of God in us. He is alive in us. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the eternal Spirit of God proceeding from the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is God in you. The hope of glory. God in you, giving you the power to be who created you to be. God in you, giving you the strength to meet the challenges of each and every day. God in you, shaping you, forming you more and more like Jesus. The power of the living God in you. That's who the Holy Spirit is. So here's the main thing. What I want you to remember, write down, jot it on a piece of paper, put it on your bathroom mirror so you see it at least a couple times a day. Put it in your car or somewhere. Tattoo it on an arm if that's what it takes. I don't care, but remember it. The power of God lives in you. Live by that power. The power of God, the one who spoke and all creation came into being. The power of God who created Adam and Eve. The power of God. Who, who separated the Red Sea for Moses and the Hebrews to walk through, the power of the living God who spoke and a valley of dry bones came to life, the power of the living God who went to the cross on our behalf and defeated sin and death itself, the power of the living God who brought the dead to life again, that power, it's in you. It's in you. As God lives in you, the Holy Spirit in you, the power of God lives in you. Live by that 
power. Oh, but I'm not a powerful person. I'm not influential. I don't have the skills. I don't have the abilities. Well, to, to, to take and repurpose Rick Warren a little bit, it's not about you. It's about him. It's about Jesus. It's about the Holy Spirit. It's about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, alive in you, guiding, leading, redeeming, refining, shaping you to be who He created you to be, giving you the power to live out what He has called you to live out. It is the Spirit alive in you. The power of God lives in you. Live your life by that power.